0: Is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from our sponsor headquarters, Charlie Hustle. If you don't know about Charlie Hustle, you better check him out, charliehustle.com. Go to fundamism.com to swoop up your very own Charlie Hustle and Fundamism collabo, the What's Good shirt. Stop asking monotonous questions, the same crap that everybody else is, and feature a conversation focused on what's good. So, you are in for a treat. If you're ready to laugh your face off, I'm putting a lot of pressure on this guy. A man from Kansas, one of my favorite comedians of all time, Mr. Chris Porter. What's good, brother? Just, yeah, I'm here. I'm having fun. I'm on the
1: Funimus podcast. That's what's good. I'm home. I'm in Kansas City. It's cloudy, it's cold, it's November. It's no L.A., friend. Or as is, or is my dad is calling it, Chris-vember.
0: <laughs> so before we get into it, because I got just mounds and mounds and Googles and oogles of questions for you. Awesome. Uh, first question we start every podcast guest with is, what do you do for fun, brother? What do I do for fun? I like to uh, play guitar.
1: I like to drink. I like to be with friends. I like to drink with friends. I like to play guitar with friends. I like to smoke weed. I like to smoke weed while I drink. Yes. With friends. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I like to be around people that I enjoy. And then, but also, I like to be alone sometimes. So it's just,
0: uh, I just follow my heart. I love that. And uh, so, obviously, a lot of alcohol in there. A lot yes. of weed in there. Yeah. Common thread through all of that, though, was music and friends. Music and friends. So uh, you're in town from Kansas City or in Kansas City from L.A. Yes. Right? Where you spend the bulk of your time. You live in L.A. I spend some of my
1: time there. <laughs> the bulk of my time <laughs> is spent in an American <laughs> Airlines jet. But uh, my time on the ground, 48% of it is spent in Los
0: Angeles, That's awesome. nice. So uh, I assume you got status then.
1: I do. I'm executive platinum, motherfuckers. <laughs> you go so hard in the paint. Oh, dude. I
0: just look at people. I'm like, what are you doing here? What are you with your gold? Go over there with your gold. That's me, actually. Yeah, uh, Actually, I'm Silver Elite, so thanks Uh-hoo. for putting me on blast in front of everybody. What up, Rook? <laughs> but here's the deal. So for me, I don't know about you, with your travels... I value convenience above and beyond everything else. So specifically, if I can get a nonstop flight anywhere, oh yeah. I'm booking that every time. Doesn't matter if it's Southwest or Delta or American, so I don't have any loyalty. Oh no, I'm all about status. <laughs> I
1: only fly American and like every year when my little mileage thing goes to zero, I'm like, we got to get this bitch up to 120,000 stat. <laughs>
0: and, uh, and we get, I got there uh, by October this year. So. so, dude, you're one of the funniest guys I know, and I got to tell you, I was a little reluctant to ask you on the podcast because uh, our buddy Chase, mutual friend, introduced us. Yes. Then um, you actually did the Volley Lama uh, KC event. I for did. Noah's Bandage Project, dude. You got one of the biggest hearts of anybody that I know, like well beyond uh, philanthropy, oh, just the, the genuine heart that you show and connection with others. And when you're talking to somebody like little old me, dude, you like, you're dialed in yeah like, like it's 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 no it's no wonder why you enjoy being around cool people because I feel like you're really about people for sure I mean that's what this whole life's about
1: I feel like is' the connections that you make and the relationships that you have i mean the you're not remembered by the things that you acquire when you pass you're remembered by the relationships and the you know but at a funeral, they don't just hold up shit that you attained <laughs> they tell stories about times with you and sure. uh so i've always my life has always been about let's let's make a great
0: story. Well, speaking of funerals dude, um you know, i told you i was a little reluctant to ask you on the podcast and you know, chase cordially made this introduction and thought that we would have some things in common. Obviously, everything that you're talking about, your love for comedy and yeah. and people very similar to me. Uh but in addition to that, uh i started following you on Instagram and Twitter and your buds with Scott Pollard. I am He's Uh, a good dude. Jayhawk?
1: Even though though he's a Raiders fan for some reason. He's a Raiders fan? Yeah, man. Everybody's got problems. But listen- Nobody's perfect. Hey,
0: listen. If he was to put himself through that- Yeah. Then go ahead. like By
1: all means. It's like being a fan (laughs) of your drug addict cousin. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Every year, you're like, come on, just don't embarrass us. (laughs) And then in comes December, and then they're gone, so-
0: so I am uh I'm watching you and Scott Pollard live stream uh NBA basketball game. Uh it was was it an NBA game or
1: was it a KU game?
0: I think it was an
1: Have you ever done an NBA game? I thought we've only done KU. Okay, games. then it was KU. Yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't care about the game so much as I did what you guys were doing and showing out. Well, that's kind of what the idea was like let's have two
1: comments, you know, commentators with the same skill set as regular commentators like me being the funny anecdotal guy and then him being the play-by-play guy and but let's do it how you would talk to your friends with the cursing and what the fuck's this guy doing and and we always we'd come up with nicknames for some of the players especially I mean we would do like KU versus DeVry or whatever so it was dudes you would never hear about and so we're just like give it up for Gary the accountant with the three-pointer and uh, it was fun, and we're going to do it again. Uh, I think we're doing our first one in December, but uh, it's just fun. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that you hope it takes off and becomes a thing, but also if it doesn't, we're still having a lot of fun. It's fun, fun with for it. you, yeah. absolutely, and you get to
0: connect with your boy.
1: Right? Yeah, and it's a lot. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's a guy that I talk to probably once a week anyway. So it's fun to just share it with people. We have a we have a good rapport, as they say.
0: <laughs> I thought that was pronounced report. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you don't I mean, have to give me your courtesy laugh. Don't freaking do that to nah, me.
1: No, it's it's instinctual. <laughs> it's insti- like the courtesy, I can't stop it. It's just like so many people throw half ass jokes at me throughout the day and you're just like
0: <laughs> okay. It's uh it's just like It's a like little- a tryout, do you think? Is that what people think that this is?
1: Uh no, I just feel like people feel the need to it, I don't know. I wouldn't say impressed, but they feel the need to like keep up or just like, I feel like sometimes people are like, maybe if I get it started, because normally I'll make a joke here and there, but doing what I do for a living, I don't feel the need to do it. I don't, be be, on all I the don't time. feel the need to try. Yeah, yeah so, but. I think – I feel like some people are like, well, maybe if I make a couple of jokes, it'll get him – like, he just needs a jump start and they'll do or it. Like a wind-up toy. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I was just like – so now I'm – like, when people start
0: joking, I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs> okay. So I'm watching – You and Scott do this live stream. And not only are you making up nicknames for the players, you're roasting folks that are trying to do these one-line jokes and get you started, right? Oh, yeah. And I freaking love that. Side note, I'm going to talk about that in my experience watching you live in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, that was fun. But uh, nevertheless, I'm watching this, and all of a sudden the topic comes up about podcasts. And you just start blasting folks with podcasts. You're like, everybody's got a freaking podcast. Yep. And so I'm watching this, and I'm like, damn it. I don't want to ask it to be on my podcast now. (laughs) Fast forward. Cut to, I have my own podcast That's now.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Fast forward. I'm like, oh, he's doing one with his sister. I'm in, son.
1: Yeah. It was uh it was one of those things where my agents like, hey man, literally every comic except you as a podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I missed the boat, man. What am I gonna do? Call it the one millionth podcast. Holy shit, I'm gonna call it the one millionth podcast. <laughs> and I and uh I had done a podcast before, like in 2011 or something, and it was just I I kept trying to like book guests and like have a podcast that meant something and that's a it's uh for a comic that's not something that you should try. Like, well, it's
0: also a lot of pressure. Like
1: it is a lot of and also in LA, it's like you'd call a buddy on Friday and be like, hey, can you do the podcast on Monday? And they're like, sure. And then Monday morning they're like, I got three auditions. And right. you're like, Well, I can't be mad at you. Sure. But also what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> so after like 20 episodes, I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then Andy, my sister and I were hanging out and making each other laugh. I'm like, this should be the podcast. We should just hang out in the living room and do
0: this. And we we tried it. We had a lot of fun. And uh, it's going well. And your sister is absolutely amazing. Had the opportunity. uh, I I met you once, dude. Like one time. Yeah. And that night, you invited me and my wife out to have dinner with your whole family and Chase and his wife. That's kind of how we do it. I love it, dude. Well,
1: Also, you like... It's one of those things where, like, you meet up somebody, and you're like, that's a good person. He's got good vibes. Let's hang out with that dude. Sure. Like, if you were a dick, I'd have been like, well, man,
0: we're going to dinner. See you later. <laughs> well, we haven't hung out long enough for you to know whether I'm a dick or not. Uh, I'm pretty good at reading it. I'm pretty good at reading it. Uh, What's like the surefire
1: way that you understand, hey, yeah, this dude's a dick? Uh, they'll like stop your sentence. Yeah. In the middle of it. They're like, no, no, no. no. And then they'll like come up with something that. Probably has no relevance to what the fuck we were talking about. They just, they just, they're not even listening. They're just waiting to talk. Right. And that's a big turnoff for me where you're like, oh, you're just, you're just literally
0: waiting for me to stop talking. For sure. I actually talk about that from time to time uh, in a keynote. We talk about the difference between listening to understand and listening to respond. Yeah. And I always love it when you're talking to somebody and they, they get that quiver lip. Like you're in the middle of a thought, right? And they, it, yeah. and like, you know that when that lip starts going, they're not listening to a word that you're saying. All they want to do is get in. It's like double dutch, right? Yeah, or they do the head They do the head bob, yeah. they do the head <laughs> bob
1: or they're just like, uh, come on, come on. Stop it with your consonants. I need to get in this.
0: So, so... So I have I have an amazing time with your family. Side note, my wife is a huge fan. I told you this that night. One of our first dates ever was actually to see you do stand-up. Oh, that's awesome. In Kansas City. And uh, she was enamored with you, and you were very gracious afterwards and said hello and all that good stuff. And now you have a special, a man from Kansas yep, on Amazon. that's actually free, I think. You it's just, free on Prime. Free on Prime. It's
1: on iTunes if you want to pay for it. Well, I'm good either way. Yeah.
0: I mean, do you get money if somebody Someone gets it does. on Prime? <laughs> Someone gets money. I don't, it ain't me. Well, hey man, uh, for you doing this, it matters a lot to me. Dude. Get You're, the fuck yeah. out of here. Uh, dude, I, I admire the hell out of you uh, for multiple reasons. One of which is that you give a lot of people strength in this world. Like you, I think sometimes in your role and people like you, and I'm saying that as somewhat, some, on a much smaller level, somewhat relatable uh, I think we take for granted the impact that we have on other people. Yeah. Like you never know what people are going through. And when you make them laugh, dude, you change their day. So I want to give you your favorite uh, tequila this for is your amazing. birthday, Thank 1942. You so much, no, dude, it's, you you I earned it. Thank it. you.
1: Well, you know what? The great thing is, is our bottle's almost gone. Yeah. I was going to have to stop and get another
0: one. We got a week. <sighs> we got a week to drink this because you fly out when? I fly out on Friday. Yeah. Well, you have to come over and drink some with Sold. me. Sold. I'm in. Done. So, uh, so one of the things that you do very, very well, and I just referenced it when you're on your live stream, is uh, you have a knack for roasting people. Mm-hmm. And so I went to your show in Columbus, so happened to be doing a keynote there. Yeah. We Reach out up. to you. Dude, it was so
1: cool. It was so cool. That was a lot of fun. It's cool to like be out on the road and cross paths with someone that you didn't think you were going to see.
0: For sure. And you told me right off the bat, I'm not drinking. Yeah. You drank.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably, that works. It's always the plan going into the evening. You're like, I can't do it again. We're at three days. If I do it one more, it's a
0: bender. And then Paul shows up. You're like, looks like I'm bending. (laughs) But so amongst many other things, including you opening your heart and talking to me about life, which I freaking respect because a lot of people are scared to be vulnerable and who the hell am I, but you, uh, you're on stage and it never fails. It happens all the time. Somebody feels the need to steal your shine, and they want to add to your joke. Yeah. And some gal speaks up. It's awesome. (laughs) You you stop your joke in the middle of it, and you look at everybody, and then you look directly at her, and you say, I bet you thought that was going to go a lot different than it did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man.
0: Everyone thinks they're, you know, that's
1: kind of, first off, and I say this on stage quite a bit, comedy is the only live performance where people feel the need to help. Like no one shows up to a rock show with a guitar and an amplifier just in case. True. Uh they're, throw it to me. Throw are we it. are we an A? <laughs> and uh but in comedy, they feel the need. And listen, it's like a good comic makes it look really easy. For sure. It looks like they're just talking. And you do that. And it's not. <laughs> like it's very like the key to what we do is making the rehearsed look improvised. Sure. And so people are like, well, this is easy. He's doing it. So they yell shit out. And, you know, a lot of comics, and me for a while, would just rip that person apart. And I just got beyond, it just got to a point where it's like, that's not the way to approach that. I just show them the facts. Like, you really thought you were going to say that. The audience was going to lose their minds and carry you out the door on their shoulders like, this is the funniest person in America. For sure. And instead, you just stop the show in its tracks, and now it's really hot in here. Isn't yes. Because you know how it is when you fuck up. You're just like, what? Is it 90 <laughs> degrees all of a sudden? And so I'm just – and also, I feel like if you don't disrespect – I just try as much as I can not to disrespect them. Sure. Even though they've disrespected me. I've always said you're judged by your own actions, not the actions of others. You have always said that. And so it's like, just because someone's a dick to you, while maybe it does give you the right to be a dick back to them, it makes you a much bigger person if you don't. Sure. Especially in front of an audience. So if you're just like, small
0: child, (laughs) you have messed up. Well, the funny thing, though, was you did everything that you just said. That was almost verbatim what you told the girl. Yeah. But then you, you made it uncomfortable because you stopped and you just looked at her and you said, so how are you feeling right now? <laughs> I just want them to acknowledge their feelings
1: in the moment so that they don't, they don't have to feel them again.
0: Oh, it's my like, gosh. think
1: about the actions that have gotten you here and how can we correct those for future experiences?
0: Dude, I... Uh, Humor is something that makes my world go round. And specifically, like when I started keynoting, people would come up and uh, many of you guys listening right now have heard me say this time and time again, but uh, people would come up and they would say the nicest things, you know, oh my gosh, that really resonated with me. Or you have no idea what I'm going through and how that point hit home. And people would be in tears and they would give me hugs and all that stuff. All that stuff could happen, Chris. And if I didn't have the audience laughing, I would feel as though I failed. Yeah. and But that's unfair, right? That's unfair to the audience to put my expectations on them because you never know how your stuff has resonated with others. For sure. How have you, how have you dealt with that? Because you live in the space where you kind of have to be funny.
1: Yeah, but also, like, no matter how funny you are as a person, uh, you're going to look out in the audience and people, there will be a, a person or two that aren't laughing and what I've learned over the to- over time is that you don't really know what people are bringing into the showroom as far as their issues or mm. their worries or their cares. So, and definitely as a younger comic, like I would be the guy that like eventually I would point at a person and be like, "Hey, man, everyone's having a good time except you," <laughs> and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I think I might lose my job or my dad died." You're like, "Oh, Damn it. fuck!" <laughs> like, "Oh, I didn't. I thought you were just a dick. Now I'm the dick." And, uh, so I've learned that. Uh you just don't know. Sure. And you can't assume. So when someone's not laughing, uh, I let it go. Now, every once in a while, like I'll I'll like say something, or if there's like a moment of brevity, I'll be like, hey, I, I just want to say I respect you. Uh everyone's laughed the entire show. You have not, and you've held your ground, and I respect the shit out of it. And usually that gets them to laugh. Sure. Uh but uh, well there was. <laughs> i I don't know you can take this out bring it no (laughs) i was in atlanta hotlanta i think is what we call hot lantern lantern. (laughs) and i was doing a show there weren't i i'm still developing a following in in hotlanta so there were (laughs) only about 50 people in the audience and there was one lady just not laughing at anything sure and i just let it go well then she starts yelling at her friends for laughing at jokes. Like in the middle of the show? Like in the middle of the show, she'd look at him and go, that's fucked up. You can't laugh at that. And I, and that's when I stopped the show. I was like, hey, uh, I'm sorry you're not enjoying it. Uh, I, I'm not for everyone. But uh, you can't yell at your friends for having a good time. Like that's just for a million reasons. Right. That's, that's wrong. And so I was doing my jokes. I have a new bit about how I don't like new parents. and she, Like Chase? Like Chase. Sorry to interrupt, dude. (laughs) Gosh dang it. (laughs) And so uh, and I I go, I'm sorry. She stands up and she goes, maybe I don't like, maybe I don't think it's funny because I've had an abortion. And me and the rest of the audience went, oh, what? What does that have to do with anything? Right. And I go, listen, I don't know why you felt the need to yell that out in a room (laughs) full of strangers, uh, but- and I'm sorry that that's a decision you felt you needed to make, uh but not relevant to anything we were talking about currently and we kind of move on, it gets weird, and we move on, and the audience is having a good time and In most of my shows, unless we're running seriously late, I'll do like a q and a section mm. and uh it just I feel like it's a way to make the show a little more intimate and give the audience a chance to maybe ask me something they've never they wanted to know right and so uh I go. uh, Are there any questions? Well, another lady raises her hand and says, "I want to ask this lady more about her abortion." And I'm like, "Jesus Christ, what is going? Where am I? Where this is the thing?" And I go, "That's." And I looked at her. I go, "That's fucked up." I go, "You don't know this woman. You don't know what her situation is. She's obviously very insecure about the whole thing." And I, I don't think that it's your right as as someone who doesn't know her to ask any questions. Again, we move on. Well then at the end at the end of my shows now, I'll do a couple of old audience. You know, most comics just do new stuff. And I've started doing like older favorite bits. Taco Bell, baby. Taco Bell. And then usually right into Rape Nudge is kind of the (laughs) So I'm going into Rape Nudge. And it's which is a bit off my ugly and angry special. And the beginning of the bit goes I'm basically talking about sleeping at a girl's house for the first time, and she wants me to sleep on a certain side of the bed because it's closest to the door okay. in case someone breaks in and tries to rape her. And so I kind of break down the logic of that. Well, I didn't even get to the joke part. I just went, you need to sleep on this side of the bed in case someone breaks in and tries to rape me. Abortion lady stands up, points at me, and says, I was raped. That's why I had an abortion, and storms out of the room. Whoa, which is exactly what every audience member said. And I was like, and, she, and also a lady from the audience follows her out to like, I don't know what, talk to her, heckle her or whatever. It was the weirdest show. And I'm beside myself. I'm like, and I look at the audience. I go, y'all are fucked up. <laughs> you all are. You all are fucked up. I was like, I, don't, I was like, I don't even know what's going on here, but you people have no right to heckle this poor woman. Who's gone through two of the, at the very least, heaviest things that a a woman can go through.
0: For sure. 100%.
1: And uh, I was like, and you don't even know her name. And you feel the right to heckle her. I was like, it's the most fucked up thing on the face of the planet. And I go, y'all are fucked up. I'm out of here. And I left. And then I walked eight feet to the table and sold records. (laughs) It was the most whorish, <laughs> awkward sales I've ever done. But I was just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You're going to pay me. Did they buy them? They bought a cut. Co- including Abortion Girl's friend, came over and was like, hey, man, I just want to thank you for the way you approach that. He goes, she was out of line, but so was the audience. And you were a very good mediator for of sure. the whole thing. And then I got like a four-page Facebook message from the lady. Really? Yeah, that was very apologetic, but also accusatory that I had stoked the fires a little bit. And I was like, I think you need to go back and watch the tape. Sure.
0: And uh, Here, why don't I sell you a record? Yeah,
1: it was one of those shows. My cousin happened to drive into town for the show. And I looked at him and I was like, I'm glad you're here. Because I don't think anyone would believe this story ever happened unless you were here to validate it. And he was just – and my cousin Brock has been to a lot of my shows. She was like, that is the weirdest fucking show I've ever been to.
0: Well, kudos to you for – and I got the opportunity to see one of your Q&A sessions. Yeah. Which is something that a lot of folks don't do. Yeah. Uh, for multiple reasons. It could kill the, the energy in a room. It can turn into a shit show real yeah, quick. Yeah. But also, it is a very, very strong skill set to be able to take what somebody's throwing at you – and, in the moment, through yeah. improv and, and obviously some level of preparation, because you kind of know what on the basis what folks are going to kind of say, yeah um, to be able to do that and do it well, and you do that well, is that something that you 've always innately had no it 's definitely something that 's come up over
1: time, like I mean genuinely, as a person, especially before I started a comedy, I was a very introverted person uh, to some extent, still I am off stage, but on stage it 's like you become I wouldn't say a different person, but there's just, it draws something out of you. Like you're, you're kind of on the firing line. So you have to either perform or not. And, uh, so yeah, it's something that I've generated over time. There's a, there's a confidence level. I think that you attain at some, at some point in your career where you're like, you're a tiger in a cage on stage. Sure. And and so it's, uh, so it's definitely something I've accrued over time. And, uh, again, the, you know the that the story I just told like is a situation where the Q and A went horribly horribly wrong, and we never really got out of it. Like the show just ended awkwardly, right? Uh, and that's you got to take
0: your L sometimes. True, but you have an amazing experience, having you and have a, a story great to tell story, on the front of yeah, podcast sure.
1: And it's don't, and that's a story I tell all the time when people are like, "Well, what was the weirdest show or what's the worst show?" That's definitely up there. Really? Oh yeah, and it's like. You know, the thing about our journey, no matter what you do, is like there's always going to be shit nights. Like I was on the road with the Black Crows in 2013. Your favorite band, right? My favorite band, but also one of the more iconic bands in the rock lexicon. And even they had a shit night. We went to Northern California one night to do a gig, and they were playing a food court of a casino. (laughs) And they didn't know it until they got there, but I was like, in my head, I'm just like, well, good. Good. I'm glad to know that even the Black Crows have shit gigs. Right. Did you guys talk about it over mooshu pork? <laughs> we no. They. Chris screamed about it as we drove home. Really. It was just like it was just like. Listen. He's like we could have just been home with our family. for sure. Instead of doing these shit gigs. And then, but the opposite side of that is when you're a band like the Black Crows on tour, a day off costs you tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Because you have to put everyone up. You know. There's a huge crew. And so, you know, that's something that there's definitely a business side to everything. For sure. Uh so it's like you can't be a sp- you can't be spoiled about that kind of stuff.
0: But how do you feel about along those same lines in your business and in the speaking industry or music or whatever it may be because uh individuals are performers and they're mm-hmm. on all the time and so many people are are propping them up and building them up so much. It's a very ego centric business right sure and and that's why you stick out like a sore thumb because you don't lead with ego right and i I don't like that stuff like it's grimy and when i see folks that 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 have achieved some level of success specifically as society deems success and they're a dick like i don't care to be around them well that's that's just a level it's because they're still insecure
1: and I, i mean i understand some of that but it's like uh I'm very secure at my talent level. I know what I can do. And it's like, I've also done it long enough to where I don't need to prove anything to anyone. Sure. And I think that's just, I think a lot of that's being from Kansas and just, you know, growing up around people that are just
0: like, this is who I am. Sure. And uh, I'm fine with it. But on, so on that topic though, do you think that sometimes what, like the, when you go up and it doesn't go like the way that you wanted it to or the black, the black crows, do you feel like every now and again it's good to be knocked down a peg or two? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not. It's not fun if it's
1: great <laughs> all the time. Sure, uh, you gotta. Ha- you have to have contrast. It was, you know, the good times don't feel as good without the bad. Times. For sure, and uh, I feel like, you know, that's that's a difference. Like when you see people achieve something, and at the end of it, they're just like, "Oh, that was cool." that that person didn't really have to struggle that much to get for whatever reason but sure. then when you see someone do anything and at the end of it they're like oh my god I did it they're crying you're like that person fucking struggled right and they can and they so now they've known the pain of loss for so long that this pain of winning or the joy of winning has overtaken them and that's someone I'd much rather root for every time i watch american ninja warrior i cry <laughs> Because you see these dudes have been training all year right. and they finally finish it and the the look of exhilaration on their face, you're just like, fuck yeah, man. You did it. And like that gets me every time. I'm just like, you just you know, I didn't think you were gonna do it, but you
0: did it. And
1: oh I'm such a bitch sometimes.
0: Well, no, dude. Actually, but, I could relate to that because what's so amazing about so I'm a crier too. Yeah. But I cry out of uh, admiration or appreciation. Like, I I probably cried during your special. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like you made me cry. When I see people doing something that's leveraging their creativity and they take a risk and they're doing the damn thing. And and whether the joke hits or not, the fact that they poured their heart and soul into something. Yeah. And they made me feel. Dude, I'll get emotional and I'll cry. Often, like, when I'm listening to Netflix is a joke radio, which you're not on. What's the damn deal, dude? Who do I need to elbow? On on who? Netflix is a joke radio. Oh, I don't know why I'm not on there. it. Oh, probably because I'm not on the Netflix anymore. Busters.
1: Yeah. There's a it's a boy, you know, it's not a boys' club, but they definitely have their favorites. And yeah, it for is sure. what it is. That's life, right? But also like and that's another thing, like like you can't let that shit affect you <laughs> no. on the daily. No. Because it's like it is what it is. They're a giant corporation. It's not personal. They just have a um a mindset that they're going for and I don't fit that, you know, maybe they have enough angry white dudes. I don't, you know, (laughs) I'm not in the meetings, but it's also, I can't let that, but you're kind of in the meetings. (laughs) Not at Netflix. They They won't even give me a key card to get past security. Uh, so it's like, but also it's like things that are out of your hand and you can't control. There's no reason to let that shit affect your day to day, man. And so and that's something I learned a long time ago and it's also something I watch people struggle with on the daily. Yes. And it's like and it is a skill set and it is something that takes time to learn how to do and it's not easy. But you know, it's luckily I I have a very German side of the family that's very logical and I'm able to separate my emotions f- and logic, and kind of think things through. Yes. And again, that's a skill set that took time. And it's a skill set that some of my family members don't have. And then when I tell them, when I tell people, like, you choose how you react to things. Mm -hmm. Some people are like, absolutely. And some people are like, absolutely not. And they let their emotions take over. And I, for whatever reason, have the ability to push my emotions back. Not every day. Some days they get the best of me, but... Some days I get the best of them and it's just like you have to be able to think your way through emotions and think logically and go can I control this right now? Right. Is there anything I can do to change this in this very moment? And if and 99% of the time there isn't. Sure. So you just let it go. And then you'll find yourself eventually happy.
0: At least at least or at least not as worried about that anymore. Sure. What you just defined, Chris, is what I call fundamentalism—the fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. Yeah. We had John McGraw. You're a Kansas City guy. Used to play for the Chiefs. Went to K State. Okay. Uh, drafted by the Jets. We, he was on last week, and he talked about—he's really into mindfulness—and he talked about how you know the human brain thinks and how we gravitate towards the crap that's not working, and what he calls what he calls interrupters. I call fundamentalism, and that's basically what you just said, right? Like, like you understand. That this too shall pass, and you kind of keep your your emotions in check. And part of that is learned behavior, part of it's your DNA, yeah. being German and all that stuff. You ever at the end of the day, like you have a really good day and you check your emotions and you're like, now what, bitch, stay down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just like, or you know, and there's also a joy,
1: you know, you gain confidence from that. When you can control what you thought was uncontrollable, uh you you gain confidence. You're like, it, cause you achieve something. Sure. And that's where confidence comes from. I feel like is achievements, uh, or at least having the right perspective on your achievements. I feel like some people that you know they achieve something and they just go, "Well, that's done," and they move on. It's like, no, you got to kind of revel in the achievement. Sure, like, you work so hard, take a break. Yes, have a glass of forty-two and think about <laughs> the achievement that you just handed it. And no matter how small it is, if you finally told your mom-in-law to fuck off. And it went well. Then have you know that enjoy this well? Well, pers- in your mind, you're like, I'm happy with the way that went. That's right. Like I, I did what I planned. She, she, she was open and she, she was, received it. Christmas is going to be weird. Yes, but you know what? It's all on the table. And I'm but I'm also the guy that I would rather have awkward honesty. Yes, than smooth. Lies, yeah, you know what I'm saying like, 100%. I'm very lucky in the fact my mom's side of the family is very in your face, you know exactly how they feel. It doesn't always feel good when they say it, right? 80% of the time, it does not feel good when they say it, <laughs> but there is no question as to how anyone feels
0: on the, my mom's side. You're of never family. wondering what if now or- my
1: dad's side of the family were passive aggression, especially with my dad my sis his sister and his brother uh the passive aggression is so thick and then it just it leads into an explosion of emotions where you're like well this is stupid why don't you just tell each other how you feel and so we can get through this for sure and they're like no fuck that guy (laughs) and you're like well here we go again see you at thanksgiving (laughs) and i remember uh you know, brothers fight. It, it happens, and my uncle and my dad have always been adversarial. And I, I just I, one time I I tried one time I'd had enough of it, and I had a conversation with my dad, and then I had a conversation with my uncle. And I remember telling my uncle, I was like, "You and my father need to figure this shit out." And he was like, "We've never had a relationship. Why should we do it now?" I go, "Cause pretty soon one of you's going to be dead." And the other one was, he's going to wish you had. And he immediately started crying and told me to fuck off. (laughs) And it was because he knew I was right. Sure. And did they try? Yes. Did it work? It's questionable. Uh, But it's like eventually you just have to acknowledge that there are problems, list what they are, and figure out how you can fix that. And maybe you can't. But a lot of times if you just acknowledge the issue,
0: that's – 90% 90% of the battle. Agreed. And don't you think, you had mentioned earlier, that's what makes accomplishments great. Don't you think what you just said also adds to that excitement and joy of accomplishment when you you overcome some form of anxiety or struggle or challenge? Yeah. Uh, kind of like that, you know, if, if, if every moment was magical, we wouldn't have magical moments, right? Yeah. But um, you, one of the things that excites me so much about your story is everybody sees your um you're deliverable. Everybody sees your 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 end result, right? Yeah. The, the the comedy. For sure. Nobody sees all the shit that led up to the stage. Yeah, for sure. And you have a lot of stuff that led up to that. And before we we get into that, you know, we talked about a little bit of the darkness. Like mm-hmm. you're an introvert by nature. And I find that's very common uh with individuals that are creatives and, and do a lot of on stage work. Robin Williams and and you know individuals that were super super dark when they didn't have yeah. the audience to bounce like ideas. Almost every lead singer ever. Yeah, so, yeah. What is that attributed to? Why? Why do you feel like that is the case? And is that something that you struggle with?
1: Uh, I feel like a lot of it is you give so much on stage, especially if you're like a singer or something. You you make yourself so vulnerable that when you get off stage. You know, fans have a tendency not to be able to separate the star from the person. Mm. So they come at you in a certain way and you immediately put your walls up. Sure. And, I mean, I still do that. Uh, If you come at me a certain way, I will shut down and I will be a dick. And And it's just because of how I'm programmed, but also how you can't, the way you came at me, I was, I'm like, oh, I don't like this person. Right. And I don't want to hang out with this person. And I definitely don't owe this person any truth or anything that I wouldn't give a stranger. Sure. So, and when that happens, you know, that's, that's how it goes. But also, you know, and this kind of comes back to when you and I met, and also when Chase and I met, like, you get vibes. And I'm like, no, this person's a good person. I can tell by the eye contact, the body posture, like, I will open up to this person. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, in Columbus, I was so open.
0: Yeah, dude, you completely opened up. Yeah. I it, mean, you opened up.
1: Yeah, and it was because I trusted you as a human
0: being. Dude, how did you get here? Because uh, it was kind of an unconventional path, one that your mother wasn't super excited about up front, based <laughs> yeah. on my understanding. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mom, I'm going to quit. Call- well, you know, both my uncles were musicians,
1: Um And up until recently, their success was marginal. Uh, My uh, my one uncle had played in some rock bands uh, later on. Like he, he played in Shooting Star, and then eventually became a founding member of the Elders, the Celtic rock band from here in Kansas City. And then that band blew up. Like they they could have like had a bus and gone on tour. They just chose to fly everywhere and do it that way. But like they were a legit band that you know. Fifty thousand people would go see him at Irish Fest, mm. uh, and then my other uncle, super talented, uh, just never had the felt the need to leave Kansas City, and that's and in the entertainment industry that's very hindering. Like puddle of mud made it because uh, you know what's his face went and handed Fred Durst his tape, and I mean that's a very that's a lottery win mm-hmm. right there. But for the most part in the entertainment industry. You're going to have to leave town. You can come back once you've established yourself. And then, like, if I really wanted to, I can move back here right now. And still, my I don't think it would affect my career that much. Mm. Just because my my identity is more Midwest. I mean, my special is called A Man from Kansas. Right. so. But also, it's like, th- no one that comes to my shows gives a shit where I flew in from. Sure. Uh, that being said, I won't move back to Kansas City. Boo. Uh I just, you guys have winter. and uh, I find what do I mean a, you guys, dude? You're from here. I know, but I moved away. <laughs> Our winter is not real winter. It rains for two weeks, and it's kind of chilly. <laughs> and LA calls that
0: winter. And also marijuana's legal. For so, sure. Uh, Give it time, dude. In at least 45 years, we might have that here again. Uh,
1: I think Missouri will happen in, within the next four or five. Sure. But Kansas is going to hold on for dear life. Mm. Uh, I But also, I feel like once Missouri falls, Kansas will be – they'll just have to. Yeah. It'll be like kind of like – and it, it may still – remember in Kansas, you couldn't buy liquor on Sundays? Yep. And then eventually liquor stores were like, no, fuck you. We're just going to stay open. For sure. And, uh, and they change things. So I think eventually uh, marijuana will be legal everywhere. But uh, that's going to take a fundamental change in a lot of people's – I remember talking in Oklahoma – I was like, you guys are probably going to be the last ones to legalize pot. And a lady in the audience went, yep. <laughs> like, in a way, she was like, I'm going to fight this every- Exactly. And- uh which is fine. I mean, everyone's got their opinions on what marijuana is and how it should be used. Yeah, and
0: the stigma associated, and it's almost like it's similar to almost on a uh, on a far smaller scale. That was a chair, not a fart. <laughs> if it was a fart, dude, I would have applauded it. <laughs> uh, but it's a lot like the stigma associated with going to college. Yeah, and so so you got two uncles that uh, could have been a lot more than they are had they decided to, you know. Venture out. Well, the one One, uncle. The one one uncle, yeah, for sure. Other is super successful in the Irish Celtic uh, space. But also
1: went to LA and took a shot and got real close. Sure. The band scene the music scene's way different than the comedy scene. Like, you know, with bands, especially, no matter how great you are, like you could be the greatest band in Los Angeles, technically, musically. It doesn't mean shit, mm. man, because they're, you know, they're looking for a certain sound and a certain whatever's popular. And you, you know, if, if you are not in that mold, it takes someone championing you to do so. Like, you know, I know the guy that found, that founded Kid Rock for the most part almost lost his job because he was championing him so much. Mm. And then eventually, obviously, he blew up and became Kid Rock, and now he's doing just fine. <laughs> but uh it's Is but, he though? Uh Oh yeah Monetarily Monetarily yeah I mean And let me tell you something Bobby Bobby's one of my good friends And We don't agree on a lot of things Politically Or so Well socially we do But politically obviously His golfing buddy is a little annoying but, Right uh There is not a more genuinely really? Nice person Giving person Charitable person On the face of the planet Wow that's and, awesome And you know And also a guy that Despite how he may feel politically He doesn't bring it up a lot Mm. he might and if he talks about the orange beast he it's always (laughs) about his personal interactions with him okay Uh, he's just like you know he's a good listener blah 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 I'm like well of course he is your fucking kid rock and he needs your bass and whatever (laughs) like you you gotta tell you what it is but uh, but that being said I don't think I've met someone who's
0: been more generous or more giving that's refreshing because because we don't you know Average Joe, average Jane, we don't get to see stuff like that.
1: Exactly. And that kind of calls back to like, you see the finished yes. product, you don't see the journey to get there, or the person that they are when they're off stage. For sure. And what a lot of people don't understand is, especially with me, it is a character. Like, it's an extension of myself. Uh, it's, you know, it's definitely just like a point on a on a loop or on an arc that I, it's just part of my personality that I ex, that works best on stage. And then when people get off stage and talk to me, they're like, oh, you're not like that normally. And you're like, yeah, man. That would I'm, be overwhelming. <laughs> oh, and it would be such a miserable life to <laughs> yes. lead if everyone was like, what the fuck? Who's this guy? And then this guy? And then what the fuck? Like, that's just a miserable, <laughs> it's a miserable way to live. And uh, trust me, I did it for a few years. Really? You couldn't differentiate the two. Well, you're – no, well, and I think a lot of it's just like, you know, I was not a happy person from 07 to like 11, like just generally. I mean, and a lot of that came from I achieved a major goal. I had just been on Last Comic Standing. I'd been on national television. I'd made a shit ton of money. And when you're a struggling comic or – any sort of entertainer. Like you always think, oh, all my problems will be solved when I start making money. Yes. And and they're and not. No. No, you just have more money. But you're
0: still insecure. It almost magnifies everything.
1: Oh well. And then also you're like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I this is when I'm supposed to be the happiest. And I'm just in a nicer hotel room wishing she'd call. You know? And it's just like, this isn't what I so that. You know that's in a rude awakening mm-hmm. and it, and for a twenty seven year old to deal with is it took me some time to deal with it, and I was not a happy person for a long time and then I found and then that kind of led to a metamorphosis on stage like you know like if you watch my last comic standing, I'm more goofy than anything well, the hair so- certainly sold it for sure <laughs> and then once and then ugly and angry comes out, I'm angry and I mean that's why it's called that. And, but you're a
0: beautiful ass man. But.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I turned into a flower. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, that was the metamorphosis. I was and so yeah, I met. A, and so, <laughs> but once I started doing the character, you see more of on stage. Well, it's and even now I've changed. Like I don't yell as much. And uh, on this, the next record that'll come out is going to be a lot more subdued. Just because, like, I watched a man from Kansas, and I'm like, it's a good hour, but also I yell the whole time. And there's just like, there's no contrast. And I mean, I know I'm nitpicking, but it was like, I, you know, as an artist, you're continually trying to change and get better. Sure. So, but back to 11, once I started yelling and, and airing my grievances on stage, you know, even my buddy said, he goes, I've never seen you angrier on stage and happier off. And it was just because I was being able, it was like a therapy. Right. And so, and now I'm super happy as a person, like, uh, I mean, we've talked about my personal life. It's not great. Sure. And this year was a tough year, personally, but like, business-wise, one of the best years of all time, so uh, that helps, but, you know, personally, not a great year, but also, I mean, I was sad for a hot second, but I, you know, I moved on. Sure. And I, you know, I still wish things were different, but I'm- I don't let it affect my day-to-day. Right. Because that's insanity.
0: Dude, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I want to be respectful of your time because I know that you got to go swoop up a bat from pro athlete.
1: Yeah, God bless them. They're such – and also this whole town. I mean, I say I could never move back here, but especially in the last couple years, Kansas City has come out and been so supportive of me and my career. And not just people coming out to shows, but – Charlie Hustle taking me into their family and then pro athlete taking care of me is, I mean, it's just, it's nice to come home and not only feel like your family loves you, but the
0: city loves you. Sure. And uh, so, yeah. Doesn't that stink though? Sometimes you feel like you got a lot of people to see and not much time to do it and you don't want to take away from your family time.
1: Yeah. And I just tell people, you know, my family's super cool. I'm like, listen, I'm I'm going to invite everyone over to the house. If they come, they come. If they don't, they don't. But like, I want to hang out with you, but I also want to hang out with my friends. Sure. And my
0: family's su- – I mean – Dude, I talked to your dad for in excess of an hour about yeah. life and
1: – And my parents love to just hang out. Sure. Like, if you want to go to a bar and hang out with my folks, they're all – Like, as soon as we landed yesterday, we we hung out, had a couple beers, called an Uber, went to another bar, drank more beers. Mm. And that's just what we do. We always hit the ground running. And my family and I, we drink until we all leave, and then we don't drink for like a week. Really? Yeah. Like, so hard. (laughs) I didn't drink on Sunday because, uh, and my sister came over and hung out. She goes, Are you drinking? I'm like, No, because I drink Friday and Saturday. And if I don't drink tonight, then it won't be a six day bender, right? Because I know there's not going to be a night in Kansas City when we don't drink, sure. And we plan achieved. Because we, as soon as as soon as we got in, we started drinking. As soon as I got to Charlie Hustle's, Chase was like beer. I'm like, fuck, man, welcome home. But I, and I and I love it. So and you know I love the people here. I just I can't. I'm not buying weed from a guy anymore. <laughs>
0: okay. There's a story in there. I uh, I want to ensure that because again, it's a very powerful story, and a lot of people don't understand what it takes to get to where you are. Um, tell the abridged version of the golf ball story
1: (laughs) i was 17 i
0: had
1: i i was it was two weeks before my senior year of two a days in football and i was very excited about that um because i had started my junior year so like i was like this is my year (laughs) and my mom's like you want to go play golf i said fuck yes we go to smiley's yeah oh yeah in k7 yep We're on the second hole. I was, you know, you're 17, so you're very about the rules. So mom was hitting. I was off to the side of the fairway. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. My head hurts a whole bunch, and there's a golf ball that I didn't own. And, you know, it's weird. When I got hit with the golf ball, I, and I promise you this is true, I had a vision of a ball being hit off the tee. It was just like, that's what, when I got hit, and then the black, that's what, I still remember that to this day. And then, you know, the guy came around the corner. My mom went fucking gorillas in the mist on him, just like. <laughs> and, uh, and we let him go because I thought I was fine. And then like six holes later, I realized I wasn't. And basically what had happened was when the ball hit me, it cracked my skull, caused the brain to bleed. And then the blood went back through the crack and started to clot between my brain and my skull. And so the headache got a lot worse. I went home, thought a nap would be the smart move. Always a great move whenever you have a concussion or For a brain sure. injury. Just sleep it off. <laughs> and uh, but that, and I called my best friend. He's like, and when a 17-year-old's like, man, you don't sound right. Something's wrong. You're like, well, maybe something's wrong. Right. And so I went, and then the headache got real bad. And I I was like, let's just go to the hospital. My, my mom was on the phone with the hospital on hold. And I was like, let's just go. And we went. And uh, they cut a hole in my skull, took the, brain, took the blood clot out, put the piece of skull back in, wired it in. And uh, two days in intensive care and two days in a regular hospital later, I was out. And uh, very loopy and um, with a large scar across my skull. and um, But probably the best thing to ever happen to me. How do you? Why? Because... I had at the time I was getting my shit together to go into the naval ROTC program and possibly the naval academy. I hadn't submitted, but and it would have been a long shot because I didn't have the GPA for it, but uh, it disqualified me from all of that. And had I not been hit in the head with a golf ball, I would have graduated graduated from college and gone into boot camp and gotten out just in case, just in time for 9 11. Mm. So I would have been deployed. Now, Grant, I'd have been in the Navy. I'd just been hanging out in the Persian Gulf waiting for planes to land. But still, I would have been gone. And instead, I didn't go into the Navy, started doing stand-up comedy. And that's how I'm here.
0: Man. So. What a crazy story. And didn't you tell me, and forgive my ignorance, I thought I recall, that that particular instance, like there was times where that – that head injury would influence your mindset and potentially like send you into a darkness and like you would have moments where, Oh no, I went through a deep depression for like a year thinking,
1: but also just thinking I was 18 and and coming out of high school, going into college, you know, and just, there was a big shift at that time and, and also getting to call, you know, and I just thought that's what it was. And it wasn't until years later, I was at a bar talking to a neurosurgeon and I told him about my story and he goes, did you go through a depression after that? I'm like, what are you, psychic? Yeah, I did. And he goes, yeah, that was, that was from the head injury. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm glad I got through it.
0: Um, but yeah, that was that's as dark as it's ever got. Man. Well, meeting you, talking to you, connecting with you, you would never be able to tell you had any darkness. And that goes back to what you said before. You never know what people are holding on to. You don't know what they're carrying in the room. And I think that while, you know, obviously your stories relate to me and others um, that have those those audience experiences. yeah there's a correlation to what every single person listen to this podcast or experiences in life. When any individual comes into a room, they got something Yeah, and you could judge them and you could be frustrated. You could be furious about their interaction. You have no idea why they're presenting themselves the way that they are. And so I, I love hearing your story from a different perspective. You mind wrapping up with a couple of rapid fire questions. Let's do it, man. All right. Uh, favorite three comedians, favorite three comedians. Uh, my dad, uh, Solid
1: answer. My sister and my mom.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: Those, those those three make me laugh more than anybody. I love it. Yeah. Uh, influences in your comedy: uh, Doug Stanhope, my father, Lewis Black, and Chris Robinson.
0: Lewis Black, I could see a little. That's your anger. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and I opened for Lewis a lot when I first started, and he kind of showed. And he was the one. He was one of the first ones where I saw an audience member walk up to him, and be like, "Oh, you're a nice guy," and he's like, "Yeah."
0: I'd go insane if I was like that at all times. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, I can be a character. It's fine. You uh, are a tremendous artist and creative, not just on stage in the form of comedy, but you play the guitar and sing very, very well, something that I was blessed to get the opportunity to see you do in Columbus. Oh, What's your favorite song to play or sing? Uh, Feeling All Right uh, by, well, I mean,
1: originally it was written by Dave Mason, but, you know, and I play like a different version of it, but... uh that song, it, it's my favorite song for a lot of reasons. But one, it's like it's this upbeat, fun song that everyone dances to. But if you listen to the lyrics, it, the person's in a very bad spot. Mm. Seems I gotta have a change of scene. You yeah, know, every every night I have the strangest dream. Like it's this person's not in a good place, and but the song makes you feel good, and uh, it's always meant a lot to me as a comedian because, you know the the chorus says, are you feeling all right? Because I'm not feeling too good myself. And, it, and that is huge for me as a comic because there are many times on the road where I'm not feeling great. I'm lonely. I'm missing someone. I'm exhausted from a day of travel. But it's my job to make other fe- people feel good. Hmm. I mean, that's that's the gig. Sure. And so that's that's my life in, in two sentences. Are you feeling all right? Because I'm not feeling too good myself.
0: What a perfect way to stop, dude. Um, again, I admire you a great deal. It took a lot of you to come out of here uh, in your one week with your family. Thank you. It matters a lot to me. If people want to learn more about you, they want to swoop up some gear, they want to follow you on the IG, where do they go?
1: You can go to I am Chris Porter on the tweets and the IGs and then Chris uh, will be, and, and that's about to get relaunched with a really cool new website.
0: So nice. will be fun. You also have a podcast yourself. It's I also have the... a
1: podcast it's called The One Millionth Podcast. It's with my sister. You can find that on Spotify or iTunes or any of that stuff.
0: Any, uh, I hate it when people ask me these stupid questions. Any yeah. parting words of wisdom? Um, just have a good time, man. Have a good time. This is Paul Long with the Fundamism Podcast, thanking you again for your support. We wouldn't be here without you guys. So continue to to tune in, share with your friends, go out and have fun today like Chris said, and ultimately create some fun in the lives of others. As always, we thank you for tuning in and deuces!